you to turn in your Bibles with me this morning to the book of James, chapter 1. Book of James in chapter 1. We're going to let the uh, children be dismissed quietly for junior church. Book of James in chapter 1. I want us to begin reading together in verse 19. Verse 19. To set this up uh, as far as context and what we're doing, uh, the last few Sundays we've been talking about the blessing of the Word of God. Uh, each Sunday we come and hold a book on our laps. Uh, in our homes we have a book called the Word of God. We call it the Bible. And a few weeks ago we talked about the fact that when the Bible speaks, God is speaking. When the Bible speaks, God is speaking. Let the privilege and blessing of that settle into your life. Second thought that we looked at last Sunday was this. When God is speaking, He is giving to you a solid foundation upon which you can build your life for His glory. So when the Bible speaks, God is speaking. When God is speaking, He is showing you how to lay a solid foundation upon which you can build the edifice of your life. That as a result of building it according to His Word, can be for His glory. This morning I want us to interrogate, if you will, with me, your responsiveness to the Word of God. James chapter 1 and verse 19 begins by saying, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly receive or accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in all that he does. This morning, the challenge I want to bring to us as a church family is this. What do we do when we hear the Word of God? When we hear it knowing it, that it is in fact God speaking, and that when God is speaking, He is communicating to us a wise and wonderful way to build a solid foundation for our lives. When He speaks... And we hear about this solid base upon which we can now build our lives. What is our response? I believe that this passage of Scripture communicates that there are two possible responses that we can give when God speaks. One is we can listen and do nothing with it. The other is we can listen and determine in our hearts as we hear its truth to allow it to make a difference by applying it to very specific situations 
and areas in our lives. I want you to notice that this passage of Scripture is addressed to a specific group of people. As James begins, he says, My dear brothers, a, if you will, a personal, warm sense of entreaty or greeting. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Peter, or I'm sorry, James is talking to the body of Christ, to the church, to those that have already been born again by the Word of God into the family of God. He wants us to know, if you have trusted Christ, that it is critical that you listen and apply the Word of God to your life. And this morning, I want to ask us, what must we do with the Word of God in order to experience its benefit in our lives, okay? What do we need to do in response to the Word of God to begin to experience the benefit of it in our lives? If when it speaks, God is speaking, and when it speaks, it lays a solid foundation for our lives, what should we do when we hear what it has to say? And I just want to draw out three basic principles this morning. When you hear what the Word of God says and desire to experience its benefits in your life, what should you do? I believe the first thing is this. And, and, and this kind of is born out as you read through verses 19 down through verse 21. First thing I want to challenge you to do is this. When you hear the word of God, cultivate a sensitivity to the sin that it is revealing in your life. Okay? Cultivate a sens sensitivity to the sin that it is revealing in your life. Ask yourself this question. When the searchlight of God's truth comes on in your life, what is God showing me? What is the Spirit of God pointing to in my life that needs to change so that my life can be for His glory? I think it's fascinating in the text that James goes after a particular area of sin and then leads out into a broader category of sin. Notice how he says this. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Cultivate a sensitivity to sin. Particularly be sensitive to sins of what? Of the tongue. Okay? Because the tongue in the word of God, the mouth is directly connected to what? The heart, right? Jesus said, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So... If I want to understand what sin is prevalent in my life, I need to listen to the words that I speak. Cultivate a sensitivity to sin, particularly be sensitive to sins of the tongue. Why? Because quick speech tends to be sinful speech. Ever catch yourself? The words are already released. And what are you thinking? Oh, I wish I had never said that had one of those moments in my life recently where I was just reacting in a moment and the things that were coming out were not edifying, were not building up. They were destructive. They were meant to demean. James says to us, let be quick to listen and slow to speak because when you speak too freely, sin is likely. Husbands, let me ask you this question. When is the last time you got in trouble for listening to your wife? When's the last time that listening to people caused me serious problems? Okay, we're always listening, calculating, what are we going to say back? And James says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. 
many writers have made this observation, and I think it's helpful. God gave you two ears and one mouth, right? So use your ears twice as much as you use your mouth. Let the Word of God shine in your life. Let it speak to this issue. Listen to the words that you're saying. These sins of the tongue tend to lead to sins of emotion, don't they? You let the tongue get going and what happens? You find that your, your spirit ratchets up and when there is an abundance of word in our life, almost any sin becomes possible in our life, doesn't it? An abundance of speech is a dangerous thing according to the book of Proverbs. Notice what he says. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. The word used here is orge. It means outburst of anger and emotion. Paul says, be attentive particularly, or James says, be attentive particularly to the sins of the tongue because those sins of the tongue tend to lead to emotional outburst. And when that starts to unravel, and all of us have been there, Words just start flying back and forth. And when words are flying back and forth, here's what happens. Any sin becomes possible. Why? Because we have shut out the work of the Spirit. We have given Satan a free reign because we're just letting it rip. James says to us, be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. And when emotion is running our life, what does James say? End of verse 20. Man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. When I just let it rip, when I just unload, I am never bringing about in my life or in the life of those around me the righteous life that God desires. That becomes fascinating, doesn't it? Is it any wonder that the psalmist said before the Lord, God, set a watch over my mouth. Guard my mouth. Because I am prone to say the most vile things, the most disturbing things in outburst of anger. And when we use the outburst, what are we trying to do? We're trying to control the situation, aren't we? But inherent in the idea of orge is what? Outbursts that are out of control. James says, if you want the word of God to affect your life, listen more and speak less. Watch out for sins of the tongue because they lead to sins of emotion. And when you find yourself dealing with sins of emotion you will probably find in your life sin in general. Okay? If you find that you're sinning with your tongue, look at the rest of your life. Because your mouth is a revealer of what's going on inside. And notice what he says in verse 21. Therefore, in light of this tendency to sin with the mouth and enter into a plethora, a plenitude of sin... Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Fascinating connection here, isn't there? A mouth running wild, anger stirs up emotion, and then there is this plenitude or plentifulness of sin in general. And the words that he uses are not pretty. He says all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Evil that is so cancerous, corrupting, and negative in its effects. It's fascinating then that Jesus, when he talks about the heart and the mouth, he, he, he makes this connection. Jesus ties the content of my mouth to the condition of what? 
my heart. Now, if my heart is out of line, how do I get it back on track? Here's what I have to do. I have to start listening to the truth of God's Word. And as it exposes that sin, that what he calls in verse 21, that moral filth and evil that is prevalent, the Word of God begins to address that and point it out. What do I do then? Okay, so I enter into sin. James says, cultivate a sensitivity to that. Be aware that it is prevalent in our lives. And allow the Word of God to begin to speak to your heart, work at listening to God. Why? I remember a, a statement that was written in my Bible as a, as a young man, written by my mom. Many of you have heard this quote. It said this, This book will keep you from what? Sin. And sin will what? Keep you from this book. Okay? This book will keep you from sin. Meaning, if I make a commitment to listen to the Word of God, I will find a diminishing of sin in my life. And if I allow sin to be prevalent in my life, what happens? It drowns out my ability to hear the Word of God. And so James says to his audience, be aware of the temptation to sin, cultivate a sensitivity to it. Secondly, do this. And this is in the second half of verse 21. Cultivate humble hearing. Cultivate humble hearing. Notice what he says. Humbly, middle of verse 21, accept the word planted in you which can save you. Humbly accept the word planted in you. That word has the capacity to save you. Now, I think I could go back up to verse 18 if you look there real quickly. He, God, chose to give us birth through the word of truth. Okay, so the audience is who? People that have heard the word of truth about Christ and have been converted by the gospel. To those that are brothers and sisters to James, beginning of verse 19, he says to them, you need to humbly receive the word of God because it can save you. Well, that's a fascinating statement, isn't it? If I am saved from separation from God in hell forever by the word of truth, the word of the gospel, in what way is a Christian saved by receiving with meekness the word that has already been, and what's the word he uses? Implanted in you. Now, if I go back to Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse, or 31 and verse 33, I find the new covenant. What does God say in the new covenant in the New Testament time period, by His Spirit, He's going to write the Word of God on our hearts. He's going to etch it there. And then He says, you won't have need for someone to teach you. I will teach you. What is He saying? The Word of God is now written on the heart of a believer. What is James saying? Receive with meekness. And the idea there is be receptive. Be a, an eager listener to what the Spirit of God is saying from His truth inside of your heart. And when you do that, that voice of the Spirit of God, when it is yielded to, will save your life. Have people ever ruined their lives by the words that they spoke? I'll give you one illustration from the sports realm. Jimmy the Greek. Right? Every time I think of his name, you know what I think of? I think of a man who ruined his career by being loose with his tongue. Right? Is it possible that I can 
destroy my own reputation, destroy my own effectiveness, negatively impact my family, negatively impact my children, simply by words. And the answer from the Word of God is yes. Why? Because it leads to all kinds of moral filth that becomes prevalent when the tongue is on the loose. So what does James say? Cultivate sensitivity to sin. And when you see sin present in your life, cultivate humble hearing because the Word of God will illuminate your life and allow you to rescue it from trouble because you are seeking to live it according to the revealed will of God. Receive with meekness this implanted Word, this indwelling work of the Spirit. It is the Word that can save your life. And can I give two suggestions along this line of humble hearing? Be honest first about your need for direction from God. When you get up in the morning, go to God, confess to God, God, I don't know how to live this day. I'm going to face circumstances in this day in which my tongue is going to want to speak quickly. But I'm admitting to you as I begin this day, I need your help. I need your direction. Romans chapter 8, live by the Spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. How does the Spirit of God work? He communicates the Word of God into your daily life. And the question that you and I have to face is this. Am I willing to be responsive? Will I receive with meekness, with gentleness, with humility, that implanted Word which is able to save my life one day at a time? Will I let it do its work of rescuing each day so that that day, when it is done, can be for the glory of God because I've yielded to the teaching of the Spirit of God in my life? James's advice is, when your tongue is getting a little loose and sin is becoming prevalent, remember with meekness, eagerly crave the Word of God that is within you by the Spirit which can save your soul second thought that I just put under this humble hearing is this. Be honest about your neediness. Also, have a teachable spirit. Have a teachable spirit. Go to God and say, God, I need wisdom for this next decision in my life. I need wisdom for this encounter with this co-worker who has been a problem. I need wisdom when I go home to my wife who I offended this morning when I left. Help me to receive with meekness what your spirit is saying. Cultivate a heart that is humble, that is needy, that listens. Isaiah, verse, Isaiah 66 and verse 3. God says this. To this one I look. To him who is humble and broken in spirit and trembles at my word. God says, this is the one I set my gaze upon. My unique care and protection. To the one who is broken and contrite at heart. Folks, look. There is, God is not offended when you come to Him with your depth of sin, with your plenitude of sin, and say, God, I have rebelled against you. He's not offended by that. He's not prone to push you aside. No. The Word of God tells us that when we come to God with brokenness, He draws near. He says, this is the one that catches my gaze. The one who is humble and broken in heart, and who when they hear my Word, they tremble because they realize that being away from the guardrail of God's Word and life can lead to devastation. Folks, it's just like when we deal with our children. When they come to us with the spirit of brokenness about sin, your natural tendency is to embrace them. When they come with the heart of stubbornness and pride instead of humility, what do we want to do? Say, you know what? I've got to wait until I talk to you later. 
You need to adjust your heart. And God says to us, this is the one I look to. To the one who is broken about their sins of tongue, sins of heart. They tremble at his word. They want the word of God to be the controlling influence in their life. Here's what God says, I'll help you. If that's your heart, I'll help you. So cultivate a sensitivity to sin. Cultivate a humble hearing. Just before God, be like this. God, I need to hear from you. I want to hear from you. Direct my steps today. And the third thought very simply is this. Commit to the consistent application. And please listen to how I say this next part. Commit to the consistent application of all of God's word to all of your life. Folks, it is so easy for us to think that we are doing okay because we are obeying some of God's word. I believe that this passage of Scripture calls us to obey all of God's Word in every part of our lives. Would you read with me, beginning in verse 22? And I... See if you sense this. Coming from verses 19 and 21, this, be hearers of the Word, do it. I sense a bit of a warning here. Do not merely listen to the Word and deceive yourself. Do you sense a warning there? That what, what James is saying is, it is possible to know God's Word and not do it. I mean, the classic example of that would be Satan, right? He knows all of God's Word, but he applies none of God's Word to his life. As a Christian, I can know God's Word. I can know how He wants me to act, to act in my marriage relationship. I can know how I should respond to a neighbor who is kind of bothering me or aggravating me. But doing it is something different, isn't it? The Word can rescue your life when you humbly receive it and begin to do it, all of it, in all of your life. So, do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Okay? Don't merely listen. Be committed to doing what it says. If you hear it, and don't do it, and you believe that you're better off because you have the knowledge. What does James say? You're deceiving yourself. Folks, if you believe that simply having the knowledge of God's Word is going to change your life, you're sadly mistaken. Isn't this how, when you share the Gospel, isn't this the point that you should impress upon someone? who does not know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, simply knowing that Jesus Christ came, knowing that Jesus Christ died on the cross, knowing that He rose again the third day, knowing that He did that for your sin, is not enough to save you from your sin? You need to act on it. You, know to go, you need to go to God with a repentant heart and say, God, I am a sinner who needs Your saving grace. Rescue me from my sin. You need to act upon it, simply having it written on a piece of paper in your pocket and saying, you know what, I believe what that says doesn't mean that you're trusting Christ, that you've released yourself to it. James's concern for the believers here is that they would not simply be receptacles that receive the Word of God because that would be deceit. What would it be like? What would it be like? Look at verse 23. Because he drifts into an illustration of this self-deception. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says. Okay, and that becomes the key. Verse 22 do what it says, verse 23, but doesn't do what it says, he is like a man 
that looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. He forgets about himself. One writer puts it, humorously speaking, this way. He says, the, the, the mirror is not a comb. Okay? Because I can, I can look at the mirror and identify that my hair's a mess. Okay? And that happens to me in the morning. It's just less of it is a mess. I can notice that. But if I go away saying, I identified that my hair needs to be fixed, that it needs to change, doesn't mean that it changes. In other words, if I don't take what I see in the morning and do my best with it, I'll probably stand up here this morning and embarrass my wife and my children. Okay, if I rolled out of bed and just came here, believe me, you would be horrified. <laughs> and there's not a lot to work with, okay? But what James is saying is, if you look at the Word of God and you say, God is saying to me, I need to work on this particular area in my marriage. I need, in my relationship with my daughter, to do this. And I acknowledge that that is what God is saying. But I go and say, you know what, I'm not going to do it. What does James say? He says you're playing the fool. You are deceiving yourself. You're like someone who looks in a mirror, identifies a need, does nothing to address the need, and goes out and wonders why everybody is laughing at them. What does James say? Be doers of the word, not merely hearers. And what I, what I, what I sense in it is a serious call, an entreaty, a warning to us. It is not enough simply to know. We must become people that do and put the Word of God into practice in our lives. Verse 25. And this is the contrast, okay? You have the person, verses 23 through 24, who kind of deals with the Word of God like a mirror. They see what needs to be done, but they do nothing about it. But, verse 25. The man who looks intently, and I want you to capture this word, the man who looks with diligence, with a desire to learn, to know, to do. Into the Word of God. And what? Continues to do it. Okay, get the connection. There is this persistent pursuit of knowing God's truth and this persistent application of it to every part of life. Folks, that's the life that God rewards. The person who says, God, speak to me. And when you speak to me, my answer is yes. I don't want to play the fool who knows the truth but doesn't put it into practice. I want to be the man. I want to be the young person. I want to be the woman, the young lady who hears it and continues diligently to put it into practice. Why? Well, because the end of verse 25 says the person who hears it doesn't forget it but does it will be what? They'll be blessed in everything that they do. And mom and dad, do you want that for your kids? Do you want that for your kids? That wouldn't it be wise for us to show them that kind of a life? That is just persistently seeking to know, what does God say? In every circumstance, in every situation, young people, I beg this of you. I beg this of you. When you face decisions in life, ask, what does God say? Because when you ask that question, it will protect you from the plenitude of sin that will bring destruction in your life. 
and you will be blessed in what you do. You will know God's purpose in your life. And you will be so richly blessed before God. The idea of looking intently means to bend over. Do you remember when the ladies came to the tomb and they saw that the stone was rolled away and they became kind of CSI actors and they started, what does this mean? And the Word of God says they went over and looked intently into the tomb. What were they looking for? To see if the body of Christ was there. And what kind of a look do you think they gave? Casual? No. No, not when it's something this important. Same word is used there that is used here. To the one that looks intently into the... And notice how he calls it. He calls it the perfect word that brings liberty. Folks, do you understand this? When you understand and know the Word of God, it is liberating. And what did we talk about last week? We tend to think of God's laws as confining, right? We tend to think of rules as restrictive. What we talked about last week was this. You know, putting on your seatbelt is a wise thing to do. Why? It will liberate you and protect you from injury that can harm you and captivate you for the rest of your life. So when I listen to the Word of God and put it into practice, what happens? God says, my blessings will be with you. They'll come upon you. So I give you these three basic directives in response to this idea of committing to consistent application of all of God's Word to all of my life. Do everything that it says. He says, not forgetting. Do what it says. Do it all the time. All of these do the Word statements in James 1 are all in the present tense. Idea is this, be a habitual practitioner of God's word in your life. Always be asking the question, what do we need to do in this situation to be a disciple of Christ? What does God's word say about this particular circumstance that I find my in, find myself in and what do I need to do in this circumstance to follow Jesus? Do all that it says, do it all the time. All the time. In my office out back, there is a, there is a tendency for the smoke alarm to go off on a somewhat regular basis. Sometimes it's the school next door doing a fire drill, the preschool. Sometimes it's just going off. Guess how I respond to that alarm? I sit there and keep working until the noise gives too much pain and then I finally walk outside don't respond to the word of God like that don't when it speaks all the time do it do it in every area of your life and God's promise is you will be blessed in everything you do let me ask you this question what is the benefit of God's word what is the benefit that James is calling us to experience what does it mean to be blessed in everything you do Turn back with me just a few pages to Hebrews chapter 5. Turn back to Hebrews chapter 5. And I think you get a little bit of insight into a benefit from the Word of God. This is a verse that I shared with, uh, or that a brother shared with me yesterday in the morning. Hebrews 5.14. Solid food is for the mature. It's just speaking of the Word of God, the deeper truths of the Word of God. Solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves 
to distinguish between good and evil. You know, one of the great complaints of our culture, of our time, is people no longer seem to get the difference between what's right and what's wrong. And we tend to ask questions like this, what's wrong with them? What's wrong with them? Sometimes as a parent, out of frustration, you say to your child, what were you thinking? Right, what are you, you're, I've, I've tried to teach you truth so that when you face decisions, you have this blessing of being able to tell the difference between what is a wise decision and what is an unwise decision. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, those that are trained on the Word of God have this blessing in their life. They are not constantly caught in a web of moral fog, of moral ambiguity. When they face situations, they know what to do. Why? Because they have been trained by the Word of God. Because folks, my challenge to us as a church is this, that we know the Word of God and we put it into practice in every area of our life, every bit of it. And when we do, James says this, you will be blessed in everything you do. We can't be a biblical church unless we are individually seeking to live out the truth of God's Word. Knowing that when it is honored and followed, it brings blessing and clarity into the life of everyone who puts it into practice. The question that we need to ask ourselves is not do I spend time in the Word of God? The question we need to ask is this. What specific difference is the Word of God making in my life today? See, the real question is not a question of knowledge. The real question is, what difference is the Word of God, young people, making in your response to your parents? What difference is it making? And I can guarantee you this, if you're ignoring the truth of God's Word, it is leading to a lack of happiness in your life. You can't be blessed. Mom and Dad, what difference is the truth that you know from the Word of God making in your home, in your relationship with your kids, in your expectations upon your kids? in your relationship with your mate, simply knowing I should love my mate is not enough. Simply knowing that I should be faithful is not enough. The rubber needs to meet the road. It must be put into practice. I'm going to ask you a question real quick. How many of you in this room have ever purchased personal health Exercise, okay? Equipment. Raise your hand. Okay, if you've purchased, okay, equipment that helps with your health, okay? Why did you do that? I'm going to tell you why you did it. Well, I mean, okay. This is, I, I didn't buy it for this reason. Some people buy it because it's, they think that it will improve their appearance, okay? I'm not delusional, okay? <laughs> I didn't buy it for that reason. Okay, it would make me more attractive, okay? My wife was, for some strange reason, attracted me like I am today, okay? Only 20 years ago. <laughs> the reason you bought it is, it might make you look better, but for most people, it's, it, it'll improve your health if you have it. <laughs> right? Now, Bobby Bresney could testify to this at the foot of my bed because he's been in the room where the computer's in our house. He's walked by our bedroom and seen laying at the foot of our bed a really nice multi-purpose gym set. Right? 
it's, it's nice. It's got three stations. And if you do everything that that thing's capable of doing, you're going to look really good. And you're going to feel better. But I can tell you this. Just like a mirror can't comb your hair and brush your teeth, having a good piece of equipment in your house for improving your health will make no difference in your life. Unless you what? you got to use it. you got to do it. Now, folks, God, in His mercy, His deep mercy, has given us this. This. This should be the prayer of our heart. That this book does not assume the position of exercise equipment in our lives. Because that, for us, would be fatal. I think James in verse 22 is issuing a warning. Don't be a hearer of the word and not a doer of it. Don't delude yourself into thinking that I go to church and I hear the word of God. I read the Bible on a regular basis. If you don't put it into practice, it makes no difference. And God has given you an assist. The assist is the indwelling spirit of God who comes to teach you all things. You know why? Because Jesus wants to walk with you as your friend. That's why. And so he reveals everything that he wants you to know to you through his word and through his spirit. So that your life can be blessed in everything you do. Ignore this book at your own peril. Follow it. And God will bless your life. And my challenge to you is just to think in terms of this. Number one, if you've never trusted Christ, verse 18 is for you. There is a word from God that will bring you life. It is the word of the cross. You have to see your sin. You have to know there's a Savior who died to pay the price for that sin. You have to come to Him and say, Lord, I repent. I confess my sin to You and I want to know You. I believe in You. And this morning as a Christian, you may need to go to God and say, God, I know Your word, but I have to confess I have not been yielding sufficiently to the promptings of Your indwelling Spirit. I've been a rebel. And this morning, my life needs to change. I'm not applying all of your truth to every area of my life. I've got areas where I'm doing good, but I have areas where I have been tolerating known rebellion in my heart and in my life. And today I want that to change. I just want to invite you in the quietness where you're sitting right now. And the more we just do this, I want all of us just to bow our heads together. Perhaps you need to go to God in the quietness of your seat right now. And to say, God, I know there are areas in my heart, in my life, where I know your truth. But I have been living in rebellion against that truth. See, I don't know the area for you this morning. Maybe it's in terms of things that you're looking at that you should not look at. And the Spirit of God is speaking to you. Saying, don't do this. It dishonors me. Maybe it's in the context of your marriage. For God is saying, love your wife, respect your husband. And you've been fighting that. You've been fighting that. Maybe as a young person, even as a teenager, you're saying, you know what? My parents are so hard to obey. But I know what's God, I know it is what God wants. Maybe it's a relational struggle that you're dealing with. A brother or sister that you're carrying an offense to, and you know what the word of God says. Go to them alone. 
and you've been resisting God. This morning, would you just go to God in the quietness of your heart and say, God, I want to be a doer of your word, not just a self-deceived hearer who feels better because they have knowledge.